Turn with me in your Bibles, if you would, to James chapter 4. James chapter 4. Beginning at verse 1. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lust that war in your members? Ye lust and have not. You kill and desire to have, cannot obtain. Ye fight and you war, yet you have not because you ask not. Verse 6. But he gives more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but gives grace unto the humble. Would you pray with me, Father? We come before you right now, thanking you for the word of God, the word that is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Lord, this morning as we pull up to the banqueting table of the Master on this first Sunday of the new year. We pray for your blessing to be upon us. We pray for your word to be imparted into us. Lord, I would be amiss if I don't take a moment and pray for this potential global conflict that is about to take place in our world. I pray for our president, our vice president. I pray for our Congress. I pray today for the leaders in other countries. Though there may be leaders in many countries that are evil in their nature, they need Jesus. We know the scripture tells us the king's heart is in the hands of the Lord and he turns it whithersoever he will. Today I pray for a stay of peace. From down here in Southwest Virginia in Pulaski County, God, I know you hear us when we pray. We pray for that today. And Lord, as we enter into this time in the word, speak to us in a way that only you can. Take us to higher heights and deeper depths in you. We give you praise in Christ's name. And the church said, amen. Have you ever asked the question, are you there, God? Can you hear me? Do you even understand anything that I'm going through? I can assure you today, whether you shout to the top of your lungs or whisper that is just above a breath, God hears you when you pray. I came across this some time back. It was called, What If God Had an Answering Machine? Imagine praying and hearing this. Thank you for calling my father's house. Please select one of the following four options. Press one for request. Press two for thanksgiving. Press three for complaints. For all other inquiries, press four. 
What if God used the familiar excuse? All of the angels are helping other customers right now. Please stay on the line. Your call will be answered in the order it was received. Can you imagine getting these kinds of responses as you call on God in prayer? If you'd like to speak with Gabriel, press 1. For Michael, press 2. For any other angel, press 3. If you want King David to sing you a song, press 6. To find out if your relative is here, enter his or her date of death and listen for the list that follows. For reservations at my father's house, simply press the letters J-O-H-N on the keypad, followed by the number 316. For answers to nagging questions about dinosaurs, the age of the earth, and where Noah's Ark is, wait until you get here. How about this one? Our computers show that you have called once today already. Please hang up immediately. Or this office is closed for the weekend. Please call again Monday. End of message. Thank God you can't call him too often. You only need to ring once and God hears you. Because of Jesus, you never get a busy signal. God takes each call and knows each caller personally. When you call and the Lord will answer, you will cry for help. And he will say, here I am. Thank God for prayer. Over the course of our time this morning, I pray that you'll become fertile ground for the Holy Spirit to speak to you in your life about the area of personal prayer. You see, the greatest deficiency in the church today is not numbers. You can find several churches on the internet, on television, in our community that have packed pews every week. The greatest deficiency in the church is not facilities. As you are experiencing, we have comfortable seating and, and lighting and temperature. We certainly do not lack in fellowship. Church folk, if no other folk know how to, church folk know how to get together to eat. We know how to gather for meals and desserts and, and laughter and enjoying each other's company and well we should as the family of God. But I'm convinced that the greatest deficiency in the church today is a lack of spiritual power. <clears throat> Too many sinners are coming in to the house of God and they're leaving unsaved. Too many sick and diseased and afflicted are leaving without their healing when clearly Jesus Christ promised them their healing. Too many that are discouraged are coming and, and going and quite often do not find strength from the local church. Families are not repaired. Relationships continue to be fragmented. Broken marriages continue in disrepair. I declare we need the power of Almighty God. And I want to tell you, he wants more than your charisma. He wants more than your intellect. He wants more than your talents. He wants you to be a vessel, a conduit, a channel through which his power can flow to affect change in the lives of people that you come in contact with. But having said all of that, I will tell you the life of power is the life of prayer. You look throughout the word of God and you will find people of great power. And when they were mightily used of the Lord, you found them as people of great prayer. 
In Genesis chapter 18, there was a city that was doomed for fiery judgment. But the Bible says Abraham prayed and he sought the Lord. And because of his prayers, his nephew and his family were delivered from the pending inferno. You read over in Genesis 32, you'll read about a man named Jacob who wrestled with the angel and his thigh became out of joint. But the angel said these words to him, for as a prince hast thou power with God and with men and you have prevailed. His name was changed from Jacob to Israel. You ask the question today, maybe you have come in because of some circumstances in 2019 that have come into 2020 and you've asked the question, God, are are you there? But I ask you this morning, when's the last time that you wrestled in prayer? So much so that it became a divine encounter that affected the rest of your life. I'm telling you, friend, if you want to have power to win men to Christ and power to touch your family with the gospel message, power to see desperately needed miracles, you must have power with God and you must prevail in prayer to receive that power. You see, the research is very clear. George Barna done some research some time back. And listen to this, these statistics. He, he said in his research, he found out that 96% of Christians pray, but they only pray weekly. Those that do pray daily pray less than five minutes a day. In fact, the research was done and pastors were polled. And the average of a pastor's prayer time is three minutes a day because of so much busyness that's going on. Based upon the research, less than one out of ten of us here spend any time worshiping God except on Sunday. Less than one out of 25 churches as a whole make prayer a top priority. Barna noted that local churches essentially ignore three critical spiritual dimensions in the local church. Number one, ministry to children. Number two, ministry to families. And number three, the ministry of prayer. I'm telling you, church, we must more be more than just a church that prays. We must be a praying church. And the culture of our day has brought microwavism from the world into our prayer lives. The, it was staggering to me when I read the statistic that pastors are only averaging three minutes a day in prayer. I pray God raise someone up with an attitude to linger before the Lord, to lay before the Lord, to dwell in his presence and and say, I'm not going to let you go until you touch my life so that I can touch others' lives that I come in contact with. The scripture says Elijah was a man of like passions just like you and I and the Bible says that he prayed and it did not rain for three and a half years and then he prayed again and the rain returned. His prayer literally affected creation. The Bible says Solomon prayed and his and the glory of God filled the temple so that the priests could not even enter. Oh, I would to God that he would fill this sanctuary, not just with people sitting in every seat, not just with singers on a platform, not just with band members playing an instrument, not just uh, all of the personalities involved in making a, a Sunday to Sunday operation work, but I'm telling you what we need 
need is we need to pray the glory of God to fill the house. I'm telling you, when God's glory fills the house, it will transform the lives of people that come in contact with that said glory. Oh, Lord, help us. Hezekiah prayed when he was told he was going to die, and he was, and God gave him 15 more years to live. I'm telling you, friend, prayer can alter your future. Prayer today can affect your children's tomorrow. Some of you here, you're asking yourself, why is it that I make such poor progress in my Christian life? You're asking, why do I have such little victory over sin? Why do I win so few to the Lord? Why do I have so little fruit in my ministry? I ask the question, why is the church in general making such little progress against evil. James gives us the simple answer. He said, you have not because you ask not. We simply are not praying or we are not praying enough. The general overseer of the church of God, he wrote, he said, prayer is the basic core value of all that we do. Everything we do as the body of Christ must begin and end with with prayer. If we do not bathe everything in earnest, sincere prayer, we need not expect the blessings of the Lord upon our efforts. Holy Ghost, help me. No matter how significant they are, I'm praying today, beginning today, that God will give us a renewal of prayer that will lead to a revival of the heart, that will lead to a regeneration of souls. I want to be a keg of dynamite. I want to be caught on fire. I want to be, I want the gift stirred up within me that was given to me by the laying on of hands. I want to be used of God. I want when people come into contact with me, I don't have to brag that I'm a Christian. I don't have to sing that I'm a Christian. They just know, hey, there's something different about that guy. There's something different I didn't encounter from the 10 people prior. I tell you what I want them to experience. It's the power of God that can turn their lives upside down, but that will not happen if I don't pray and call upon the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. We long, we long for these results. Acts 2.47, salvations. The Lord added to the church daily those that were being saved. We pray conviction like a magnet bring lost people even to an empty church building during the week. You know, there was a time that people used to respect the church. Y'all out there this morning? There was a time that you might curse until you walked past the church building and you held up on your cursing until you passed the church building. You certainly didn't find beer bottles and cigarette butts in the parking lot. Come on. There was that time. There was a time that people, there didn't have to be a soul present. But there was something that magnetized people to that building, to that structure. i tell you what it was. It was the drawing and the wooing of the Holy Spirit that told them they were a sinner in need of a Savior. You say, oh, you're living in the past. You need to quit living in the past. Let me tell you, God said I'm the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. I believe I'm living in a generation that could be part of a last day's outpouring. He said in the last days I would pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. I'm telling you right now what we need is we need a fresh function of the Holy Ghost in everything that we do, but it will not happen if we do not devote ourselves daily in personal prayer to the Lord. Mm, salvations. 
not only salvations, but Acts 4 and 4 tells us about an anointed word. Many of them which heard the word believed. I'm telling you, your prayers anoint your pastor's preaching. If you ain't got nothing else to pray for, pray for me. Because my wife will tell you I need a whole lot of it. Your prayers anoint the word and anoint the messenger. Not only that, but disciples, disciples were made. In Acts 5.14, it says, And believers were the more added to the Lord, both of men and women. Acts 6 and 7, And the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem. In other words, disciples were made. Not just converts, not just baby Christians, but disciples were made. I ask you, how did all this take place? Salvations and an anointed word and disciples being made in the early church. How did it all come to pass? Why the results? Was it, was it personality? Was it a new thing? Was it, I mean, you know, did, did the preacher wear the right clothes? Did he have the right dental work done? Did he, did he give us a feel-good message? What was it? Was it, was it the music? Was it all the blending of the harmony? What, what was it? Was it the children's program? I'm telling you, what was it that all brought it together? Let me tell you, all those things may be contributing factors, but I'm telling you why they experienced those things in the early church. The answer is found in Acts 2.42. It says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' teaching and fellowship and in the breaking of bread and prayers. They were consistent. They went to life group and Sunday school and church together. They fellowshiped and ate together, but most importantly, they prayed. Jim Cimbala, the pastor of Brooklyn Tabernacle, he wrote in a book called Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire. Some of you have read it very pointedly. He said, if our churches don't pray and if people don't have an appetite for God, what does it matter how many are attending services? How would that impress God? Can you imagine the angels up in heaven saying, oh, your pews, or in our case, theater seats, we can't believe how beautiful they are. Up here in heaven, we've been talking about your pews for years. Your sanctuary lights are so clever. The way your steps come up to the pulpit is so wonderful. Come on, folks. He said, I don't think so. He continued, if we don't want to experience God's closeness here on earth, why would we want to go to heaven anyway? He is the center of everything there. If we don't enjoy his presence here and now, then heaven would not be heaven for us. Furthermore, why would he not why would he send anyone there who doesn't long for him passionately here on the earth? Oh, I'm getting up close and personal now. He's gonna look at people and say, Depart from me, I never knew you. You look that up in the Greek. It means there was never an intimate, personal relationship with the Lord. See, I'm looking at a wonderful group of people. And I dare say, many of us in the room, we attend church regularly, and we're faithful in tithe and offerings, and we sing the courses and the hymns. But if we're truthful with ourselves... We're on the verge of being dead spiritually and on our way to being backslidden. And one of the main reasons is we simply don't pray. 
We don't have a daily relationship with Jesus. You have just enough of Jesus to bless your hand, but you desire no more of Jesus that would change your heart. Here's a newsflash. How he blesses you with his hand will not matter in the end. How he has changed your heart will be what makes a difference in eternity. Man, that's good preaching, Pastor. We need God to raise up some mothers like Susanna Wesley. You say, I don't have time to pray. Susanna Wesley raised 17 children. Bless her soul. But every day she spent the time with the Lord in intercessory prayer. History tells us she didn't have time to find a prayer closet, so this is what she did, being a stay-at-home mom. She'd take the apron that was about her body, and she would throw the apron up over her face. And all 17 children knew If you walked into the room and mama had her apron over her face, mama was praying, don't bother her. Her prayer life produced John and Charles Wesley, her two sons, who one multiplied thousands to the Lord and started revival movements. How about it, dads? The only time your kids hear and you pray is around the dinner table. When's the last time they saw you weep over the needs of your family? Mom, when's the last time you laid hands on the burning brow of that child and you wept for God's healing touch? We quickly reach for the aspirin bottle and and we quickly reach for the phone to dial 911 or the doctor's office and none of these are wrong. But Jesus is wanting us to look to him first. He is the author and finisher of our faith. God, that's good preaching there. I'm telling you right now, the doctor can't save you. The family counselor can't help you. The banker doesn't have all the answers. But I'm telling you, I serve one who started my faith, and I serve one who's finishing my faith, and he's everything I need in between the beginning and the end. Max Lucado wrote, And said, we can do much after we pray. But we can do nothing until we pray. There's a whole lot that can be done after we pray. But we shouldn't start anything of significance without prayer. I know I I join with people in this room, spouses that have unsaved husbands or wives. The invitation to God's house The kind word of witness, it's good. It's good. But you can so touch their heart with tears of intercession for them. 1 Corinthians 7.14 says the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the believing wife. You won't, and I know we get frustrated, I'm telling you. I I have not known, I I, I I can't begin to appreciate what it's like to be married to an unbeliever. It's got to be challenging. It's got to be difficult. I've been blessed for 31, nearly 32 years to be married to a Christian believer. So I can't appreciate what what you go through. But I'm telling you, you won't win them with the vinegar of ridicule. 
You won't win them with putting them down or, or with angry outbursts. It's bitter. But a praying companion will touch his or her spouse with the honey of the Holy Ghost from a prayer-filled life. Let them hear you weep. Let them hear you pray. Let them hear you speak in tongues in the Holy Ghost and call unto God. It will make a difference in their eternity. R.A. Torrey wrote, we live in an age of hustle and bustle, of man's efforts and man's determination, of man's confidence in himself, in his own power to achieve things. Human organization, machinery, human push, human scheming, human achievement. I'm telling you, we don't need a better program or a more refined organization. We need God's Spirit to move miraculously. And it will only happen through prayer. You there, God? That's the cry of our heart. But God's asking, you there, my child? You see, he's never been away from you. <laughs> what was it that the psalmist said? He said, if I ascend up into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, you are there. You never have to worry about him. When you ask the question, are you there, God? When God asked the question this morning, are you there, my child? Are you there where I can commune with you and you with me? I was sitting with one of our leaders the other day, and we were talking about how we need such a, a move of God amongst our children, amongst our youth, amongst our college and career, amongst our young adults. We need a move of God. Hey, let's be honest. We need a move of God throughout the church. The genesis of that move is prayer. Prayer. Not just now I lay me down to sleep. Not just prayer over a meal. But getting back to praying in the closet. People say, I pray while I'm driving down the road. God help you. I don't know how you have a breakthrough. I'm trying not to have a breakdown when I'm praying and I'm driving. You can try to fit God into your way of finding renewal and revival, but it will not work. His ways are still the best ways. And his ways are you find your prayer closet, your spouse knows it, your children know it. I had a first-time experience the other day. I went into my closet in my bedroom, and my dog, who is very attached to me, Willow, decided she wanted to come play with Daddy. She laid down while I prayed and cried out to the Lord. And she was doing fine. 
until she wanted to play bite daddy. <laughs> it kind of quenched my moment with the Lord. Even the dog needs to know we have a prayer closet. My mother will be here in a few weeks. Looking forward to having them, but she prays and she tells me that she prays whatever it takes to save my family. When's the last time you were so gripped with the lost condition of your children that you prayed, God, I just don't want to see them lose out with you? Even if it meant save them and take them home. That's what she prays. I'm desperate, God, for you to save my children. I'm desperate for you to save my family. I'm desperate for a move of God in my ministry. All the planning and programs in the world. We can do all the cutting-edge things. We can provide all the cutting-edge facilities. And people will be wild and they'll be awed. But six months down the road, three months down the road, a year down the road, five years down the road, 10 years down the road, 20 years down the road, someone could come into this beautiful facility and it'd be void of the power of God. And all it's turned out to be is a mausoleum full of dead men's bones because people tried to do in the flesh. Mm. What can only be done in the spirit. My God, my God. I'm going to ask you to stand with me very quietly, very reverently. Every single believer in this house that wants a greater prayer life you know you need a greater prayer life I want you to join me around this altar God may call you to kneel he may call you to stand he may call you to lay face down in the carpet but whatever you do in 2020 recommit yourself to personal daily Prayer. Come on, saints. Come on. You may kneel. You may stand. If you fill up the aisles, it's fine. Come on. I'm in no hurry today. I'm not interested in the benediction. I'm interested in people that want to commit, recommit. Want in your own way, if you want to pray quietly, if you want to pray aloud. This is time between you and your Lord. <laughs> God, I'm so sorry. I have neglected you. Something's got to change. Something's got to change. Something's got to change. Lord, touch your people. 
here this morning. You're there, God. God says, you're there, my child. Here I am, Lord. It's me. Standing in the need of prayer. Holy Spirit, have your way. Holy Spirit, have your way. Reignite that fire within them that will heal their marriage, that will save their children. God may be calling you to a whole new level, a whole new dimension. Be sensitive. Be sensitive. Be prompted of the spirit this is what God wants us to do right here right now I want whatever whatever the three greatest needs in your life right now the three greatest needs bring them to the forefront you can recount them quickly the three most important things you need God to do right now got them now lift both hands to the Lord and begin to speak them out to the Lord you have not because you ask not. Ask him right now. Ask him right now. 
Come on, be obedient to the Holy Spirit. Is it the healing of your family? Is it the saving of your children? Is it a miracle that you need in your physical body? Right now, be obedient to the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is guiding and directing this. The three most pressing needs, God, I, I hear your word. You have not because you ask not. I'm asking you today, your child is reaching out to you today. My hands are extended, not only in honor, but in dependence upon you. Oh, Lord, you see their hands raised. You see their hands raised. Maybe it's a financial need, God. It's the most pressing. Maybe someone in this room is about to lose their home. Maybe their electric's about to get cut off, God. You have not because you ask not. Simply say, Lord, I need a miracle, and I have nowhere else to turn. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord. 